0: City WLCC Brandon Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded.
1: An elder must believe that the Bible is sufficient to meet the spiritual needs of the church. So this is very important. Why is it so important? We look at the second part of Titus one nine. That and now he's going to give us the reason that he may be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. Why is it so vital that this man, this elder, must cling tenaciously to the word of God and not let go? Well, he has to exhort God's people to obey the word of God. In other words, he must be able to motivate God's people through God's word. He's not a spiritual cheerleader standing on the sidelines saying, go, go. No, he teaches the word of God. He communicates the word of God. Sound doctrine. Exhortation is slightly different than teaching. He must be a teacher. He must teach, but he must be one who exhorts. Exhortation is different from teaching in the sense that teaching informs the mind. There must be teaching. You must have an informed mind, but it must go beyond that. There must be the exhortation, the encouragement to obey what's gone in the mind.
0: is Verse by Verse, a radio program that seeks to carefully examine and teach the Word of God. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher, and he has been teaching us out of 1 Timothy chapter 3. The topic is God's standard for church leadership. Now, Today on our program, we're going to hear about several important things that must be true of an elder. These will hopefully seem obvious when I mention them to you. But of course, Pastor Steve is going to give us some in-depth scriptural explanation of each. First, an elder must believe that the Bible is sufficient to meet the spiritual needs of the church. Now, that sounds obvious, doesn't it? Also, elders are to be men who are consistent in their theology, and an elder must be devoted to the scriptures. I think we would all agree that those statements are correct. So let's jump into today's broadcast and hear why the Bible says those are so important. Here is Pastor Steve Kreloff
1: elders are to be men who are consistent in their theology they don't have to go to bible school you know that's a modern day invention it's not bad it's good seminaries are good but the bible doesn't say you must go off to school to become an expert in the word no no but you do have to be a student of the word you do have to know what it says you see it's not enough to love the lord there are dear men who love the lord and they do anything for the lord but you've got to be knowledgeable of the word It's not enough to just visit people. It's not enough to hold their hands and pray with them. You must know the Word of God. That is essential. It's not just that you're faithful in the church. It's not just that whenever the doors are open, you're there. You must be a man of the Word to be an elder. Secondly, not only is knowledge of the Word necessary, but an elder must be devoted to the Scriptures. Now you might think, isn't that the same thing? Not necessarily. No. Let's look at Titus chapter 1. You see what I mean. Now you understand that Titus chapter 1 is a parallel passage to 1 Timothy chapter 3. The difference probably being that Titus was there to ordain and appoint elders, whereas Timothy's job is to evaluate the elders who are already there. Titus is in a new work. Timothy is in an established work. But basically the qualifications are the same. And in Titus chapter 1 verse 9, Paul says this. He's speaking about elders, Verse 5 tells us that, but verse 9 says he must be holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching. He must hold fast the faithful word. That is, he clings firmly to the word of God. That's the picture here. He is one who, in the midst of opposition that would tear him away from the Bible, he continues to hold on to it. That's the thought. People would try to pull him away. Philosophies of the day would try to pull him away. His own flesh would try to pull him away. Satan would try to pull him away. But he hangs on to the word. It's like he's hanging on to a pole and 15 people are grabbing his feet and tugging. But he won't let go. That's the picture here. In other words, he adheres wholeheartedly to the word of God. He doesn't just know the Bible, but he is committed to it. You see, elders don't just have Bible knowledge. They are committed to the word of God for a lifestyle. This man sees God's word as faithful. That's what Paul says. Holding fast to what? Faithful or reliable word. That is, it's trustworthy. He holds fast to it. In fact, it is the only word for an elder that he considers to be totally trustworthy and dependable. Nothing else is like that. Now, this is very important for us. Very important. I've been thinking in recent days about the sufficiency of the Bible. The sufficiency of the Bible. And I've been thinking along these lines that there are many men, good men, they love the word of God, they believe the Bible, but while they believe it and they say that it is sufficient for every spiritual need, they don't rely upon it for spiritual needs. They really don't. They confess that. They would be shocked to think that they don't rely upon it. But let me give you some illustrations If they want to learn about how to work in a church, you especially find this in pastor teachers who run off to conference after conference. They're looking for something special. They're looking for a technique. If, for instance, John MacArthur pastors a church of 10,000 people, they go to that seminar thinking that there must be some trick that he's doing. I mean, you can't just teach the word and have 10,000 people come. What's the gimmick? And they're looking for a program. It's the same men who go to other Bible conferences, especially pastors' conferences. It's not wrong to go there, but it's wrong to go looking for something that's going to turn your church around apart from the Bible. Some technique, some program, some device that they hope someone will pass it on to them and they will learn how to grow a church. And yet these men would never seem to realize that they can turn to the Bible and find out what God says because that's a spiritual need. And yet they would turn to 20th century management techniques and skills to try to run a church. So that's what we mean. A man like that doesn't understand that the Bible is sufficient for every spiritual need. If they have a problem in the church, they tend these type of men to seek psychological approaches to the solution rather than biblical approaches. Now we're talking about spiritual needs now. We're not talking about that we can't learn from management. We're not talking about that we can't learn some things from psychology. We're not saying that. But spiritual needs and spiritual solutions are found in the Bible. You see, it's that attitude that says the Bible is, for the first century, it's not sophisticated enough for 20th century problems. Well, see, that kind of an attitude, in my mind, eliminates a man from being an elder. He's not committed to the Word. If there is a financial difficulty in the church, they are more prone to turn to the Wall Street Journal than to the Word of God for answers. That's what I'm talking about. An elder mustn't do any of these things. He must not turn to the philosophies of men, to the thoughts of men, to even his own thoughts, his own business thoughts. Not that he can't learn from them, but not for solutions to spiritual problems. He can't turn to the human inventions of our time for the solutions and spiritual direction that the church needs. He must be, in Paul's word, one who holds fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching. What teaching? The teaching of the apostles, the word of God, the New Testament. An elder must believe that the Bible is sufficient to meet the spiritual needs of the church. And so this is very important. Why is it so important? We look at the second part of Titus 1.9? That, and now he's going to give us the reason, that he may be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. Why is it so vital that this man, this elder, must cling tenaciously to the word of God and not let go? Well, he has to exhort God's people to obey the word of God. In other words, he must be able to motivate God's people through God's word. He's not a spiritual cheerleader standing on the sideline saying, Go, go. No, he teaches the word of God. He communicates the word of God. Sound doctrine. Exhortation is slightly different than teaching. He must be a teacher. He must teach, but he must be one who exhorts. Exhortation is different from teaching in the sense that teaching informs the mind. That there must be teaching. You must have an informed mind, but it must go beyond that. There must be the exhortation, the encouragement to obey what's gone in the mind. Teaching appeals to the mind. Exhortation would influence the conscience, the heart, the will, whatever you want to call it, to obey. And that must be the case. He must not only communicate what is sound in doctrine, but then he must be constantly exhorting God's people to apply the Word of God to these practical situations in life. The term sound is very interesting. It means healthy or physically whole. It is healthy teaching that produces healthy believers. I hope you know that. It is healthy teaching that does that. That's why we teach the Word of God all the time. But it is to be beyond the pulpit. It is to be that our elders, as they have contact with you and you with them, are to be encouraging you to put into practice what you have been taught. A congregation's spiritual health depends upon elders who constantly and continually exhort in healthy doctrine. That's why what I do on Sunday only begins the flow of things. That's why our men have to be reinforcing what is taught, not only here, but in their Sunday school classes. In other areas, they are to be doing that with you. You see, elders aren't men locked in a room who only make policies for the church. Now, that's part of it. But if that's all they do, and they're just another executive committee that never has any contact with people, then they are not really elders in the New Testament sense. There are a lot of, and I think I told you this, a lot of pastors, when I hear that they have elders in their church, I say, now, are these men pastors, or are they just an executive committee? And most of the men that I've spoken to will say, sadly enough, and they don't know what to do about it, but they say, no, they're really not pastors, they're just policymakers. Well, elders are to be more than that. They are to be those who are continually encouraging people to do the will of God, which means he must know how to effectively apply the Bible to everyday situations, life situations, a variety of circumstances. He isn't only devoted to the word of God so that he just knows it, but also because he has to exhort the saints to do what's right. He must know the word. and He must be applying it to their lives. But I want you to understand that goes beyond the believers. Look at the end of verse 9. And to refute those who contradict. He's not only devoted to the word so he exhorts the saints, but he's devoted to the word so he protects the saints from false teachers and false doctrine. Look at the rest of Titus. Look at verse 10 and verse 11. For there are many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things that they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. What does a church do when false teachers come in Or when people who are believers start teaching the wrong things in Sunday school or start passing out tapes that are in error and books that are in error and things. What do you do? Well, it is wrong to just rely upon the man in the pulpit and say, straighten them out. No, the elders are to deal with that. It is all of their responsibility, not just the man in the pulpit. Notice that Paul is speaking about elders here, plural. They are all to be involved in this. In Acts, we turn over please to Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20, verse 29, in fact, Luke records it of when Paul spoke to the elders from the same church, Ephesus, and warned them about false teachers who would come in. He said in verse 29, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in amongst you, not sparing the flock. And from amongst your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert. Be sober, he's saying, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And now I commend you to God and to what? The word of his grace, the word of God, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Paul said, I've labored amongst you. I shed tears to protect you. Now it's your job to protect the flock and I'm committing you to the word of God because that's what does it. In 2 Timothy, chapter 2, it's the same picture, verse 24. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind, able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. And so that happens in a church a lot. Why do you think so many churches have gone down the tubes? Why have they accepted the philosophies of man and secular humanism, and they are sterile, even though they may be growing in their large, which is not necessarily the sign of spiritual health? It doesn't necessarily say that there's not spiritual health either. But there's so much false doctrine in churches today, so much, because elders haven't protected the people they are called to protect. They are shepherds, and a shepherd's job primarily is to protect the flock. They are ignorant of the word, and when they are ignorant of it and they can't protect their flock, they're going to go down the tubes with them. In fact, just this week, I received something in the mail from a ministry, Ex-Mormons for Jesus. I came across this statistic According to John L. Smith of Utah Missions Incorporated, the Mormon Church makes 200 converts a day. Now, that doesn't surprise me, but what does surprise me is the next statistic. 60% of those converts claim Baptist backgrounds. Where were their Baptist shepherds? That's the question. And we can say the same thing for every group. Bible shepherds, Presbyterian shepherds, Pentecostal shepherds, every group. Where were the shepherds protecting them, keeping error out of the church? Where were they? I don't know. Maybe they did try. In many cases, I'm sure they didn't. If someone in our church starts saying that Christ isn't fully God, an elder needs to know how to address that issue. An elder needs to know how to take that man or that woman aside and open the Word of God to them and show them out of the Scriptures that Jesus Christ is indeed God. He must not bring them to the pastor teacher and say, take care of him, straighten him out. Or if someone in the church says, and this happens, that when we die we don't immediately go into the presence of the Lord, but we're sleeping, that's called soul sleep. An elder needs to take that person aside and be patient and loving and open up the Scriptures. And if they cannot do that, those basic things... And maybe they don't know it off the top of their head, but they know where they can get the information and go to that person. If they can't do that, then they cannot be an elder. They should not be an elder. Maybe sometime in the future when they understand more, they can, but not at that point. They must be devoted to God's word so they can refute error. They are committed to its truths for more than just a doctrinal perspective. They have to apply it to life. We look at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 is Paul telling the church at Ephesus how to protect themselves from the schemes of the devil. And we've studied this in years past. It was a very, I think, very exciting study. We called it standing firm while under attack. All of the armor that Paul speaks of, and he takes this metaphorically from a Roman soldier. It may have been that Paul got the idea why he was in prison chained to a Roman soldier. Could have been that while he was in chains, he was writing this down, looking at every piece of armor on this man and applying that to biblical truth. But all of the armor that Paul mentions in chapter six are defensive items, breastplate, shield of faith, all defensive except one thing, and that is the sword of the spirit in verse 17. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. An elder needs to know how to use the sword, but watch this, this is very interesting In Roman times, there were two types of swords. There was a long kind of club sword, and this is a sword where they would cut your head off with it. It was a clumsy thing. It was not a precision type of instrument. That's not the word that's used here. Two different words in the Greek language. This word for sword was more of a dagger, a large knife. It could be anywhere from a 6-inch dagger to an 18-inch sword, little sword then. Not a clumsy broad sword, but a short sword large knife. Why? It would be used for precision hand-to-hand combat. You couldn't take a clumsy broadsword into battle. By the time you went up like that, you'd be stabbed 15 times. It had to be a type of knife that you could maneuver and easily use on someone. Also, to be consistent with this, verse 17 says, which is the word of God. There are two Greek words for word. One is lagos. Jesus is the lagos, the expression of God. And it probably means sort of a sum total of all that God says. This is the Greek word rima. Rima speaks not so much of a sum total, but of a specific statement, of a particular individual scripture. Now put this together. What is Paul saying? He's saying that to protect yourself, you must know the particulars in the Word of God. You must know how the specific teachings of the Word of God apply to specific attacks of the devil. There must be precision. If you are being attacked in the area of doubting your salvation, you must know the specific scriptures that deal with that so you can combat the devil. Well, let me apply it to the situation with an elder. An elder must know the Word of God specifically enough that he can pull out specific biblical truths in order to combat specific biblical errors. He must be able to use the Word of God in a precision-type manner. He doesn't just speak when someone comes to him with a problem. He doesn't just speak about the inspiration of Scripture, a broad statement. No, he gets very specific, and he knows how to take the Word and apply it to those individual circumstances and situations. Folks, this is the very reason why Paul said an elder must be able to... To teach, He's got to know how to do it. He has to be skilled in communicating the Bible. doesn't mean he has to have the gift of teaching, but he knows how to use the word. That's what I mean by skilled in communicating the Bible. He may not even be an interesting teacher. He may not be one that you would flock to hear. If he didn't have the gift of teaching, you probably wouldn't. But he has to know how to take that Bible out and use it, whether he's interesting or not, whether he has a good voice or not, whether he keeps your attention. He's got to know how to use it. And use it appropriately, not out of context. Skillful in teaching. Do you know what happens when elders are weak in this area? Now, they may be great in other areas. They may be devoted to their wives. They may be prudent and wise and temperate and respectable and may open their homes all the time. But if they're weak in this area, then they get devoured by Satan along with the whole church. And the sad thing is they may not even know it. Why have so many churches become liberal over the years? You look at the last 40 years, and churches that were once great, churches are a little more the museum pieces now. Hardly anyone going, because they let error in, and they didn't know how to deal with it. They might have had good businessmen, and they thought that was enough, but they need good Bible men. And the elders get devoured with this. In fact, there's a parallel in the Old Testament where there were priests and there were kings and leaders who said they believed God's word, but they weren't committed to it. They weren't devoted to it. And that's what we're talking about, a devotion to the word of God in every area of life. They were destroyed by the surrounding cultures of their day. They were destroyed by the surrounding religions of their day as they swept in. And Israel became just like every other nation around them and their leaders the same. Elders who don't cling to the word of God for all of life situations, get destroyed along with their churches by the philosophies of their day. And it can be so subtle, they don't even know it. There's one other thing we want to look at. Very important. Not only does he know his Bible, which is paramount, not only is he devoted to the Bible, which is so necessary, but he's also a sensitive, and underline that in your thinking, sensitive communicator of the Word of God. Now let's look at Second Timothy chapter 2. He is a sensitive communicator of the Word of God. And I think this might be new to some people. I think most people would realize yeah, you have to know your Bible to teach it. You have to be devoted to it, right. But you have to be sensitive to people. That's why I call this the social area of life. It isn't that you just know the Bible, it isn't that you're just devoted to the Bible. You've got to be a sensitive communicator to people because you're not dealing with objects, you're dealing with human beings who have feelings and have needs. Verse 23, But refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. And the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. Let's stop there. He's not to be a quarreler. You see that? He's not to be quarrelsome. He's to be kind. He's to be patient when falsely accused, when wronged, when someone says, You're like this. He's to be patient. In other words, he's to teach people without getting into heated disputes with people. He's not to lose his cool because somebody dares to disagree with him. You know, there are some men who cannot discuss, in fact, women too, but especially men who cannot discuss spiritual things with anyone who disagrees with them. They take it personally. They can't handle it. They get mad. And this person cannot qualify to be an elder. Elders are not people who get mad every time somebody disagrees with them, even if somebody is blasphemous. They don't get personally angered at that one. They don't take it personally. The picture of the Lord's bondservant is that he's a mature Christian who is gentle, sensitive to people, gentle but firmly committed to the word of God. He firmly opens up the Bible to lead his opponent to the truth. He may be gentle with that individual, but he doesn't compromise the word of God. He is patient, he is objective, he is loving. In a non-threatening situation, he can skillfully communicate the truth to another person. He doesn't jump over people because they're wrong. Because they see things differently. See, that doesn't communicate to anybody. I mean, you just turn people away. You don't lead anybody to the truth when you personally get all upset about it. He communicates in an objective, non-threatening way. He's sensitive to people. I hope you understand that. Even those people who are confused and bitter and hate him and are annoyed, he still is sensitive. He doesn't lower himself to their level and start getting all upset and fighting because they feel differently. He's not threatened by what others say about him or what others say about even the truth of Scripture. Now, I think you understand a little bit more, a lot more, I hope, and what it means to be able to teach. God isn't looking for good businessmen to lead his church. He's looking for good Bible men. No, they may be good in business. That's fine. But that's not what makes them elders. He wants men of the word. Men of the word. Knowledge of the word. They know their Bibles. They are devoted to the word of God. They cling to it in a world that would pull them apart and would say substitute techniques and gimmicks and management skills and all kinds of perhaps worldly influences. He is devoted to the word and will not be moved. And he has skill in communicating it he uses it in a sensitive, caring manner. He doesn't just run over people. He's calm and he's sensitive. Now, this is what the Lord wants for all of us. But you see, you'll never be like that if we, speaking now for our seven elders, don't model that for you. We need to. If we can't model it for you, then we can't be elders. And it's that important. It's that important. We trust that in days to come, there'll be more of the men who will be elders, and hopefully that these men will see it very clearly in our lives that this is what they're to be as they see us handling these situations with the Word of God.
0: Let's wrap up some things we have learned in the last three verse-by-verse broadcasts. The Apostle Paul told Timothy and the Ephesian elders that to protect themselves, they must know the specific teachings of the Word of God that apply to specific attacks of the devil. There must be precision. So an elder must know the Word of God specifically enough that he can pull out specific biblical truths in order to combat specific biblical errors. He must be able to use the Word of God in a precision-type manner. This is the very reason why Paul said an elder must be able to teach. He has to be skilled in communicating the Bible. There's one other thing Pastor Steve taught us today, though. An elder must also be a sensitive communicator of the Word of God to his congregation because they are human beings who have feelings and needs. We're just about out of time, but I would like to invite you to join us for the next Verse by Verse on this great radio station.